Everyone seems to recognize that the surrender of Cornwallis at Yorktown was the high point for the Americans during the Revolutionary War. It was, but we did not climb to that peak of victory singing joyous songs along the way. Not only were we not singing, but many Americans were losing their faith every day. Actually, for the last few months, the British thought the war was over. Most Americans thought it was over, too. The army of General Lincoln had been whipped the year before and had to surrender. He commanded half of Washington's army. General Lincoln commanded Washington's southern army and surrendered about 7,000 men at Charleston and with it all of our hopes for the southern half of our country. Washington was up in Rhode Island trying to take New York but was getting exactly nowhere. The British General Cornwallis sent a message to his superior saying, All is the face of tranquility. He figured the war was over. It might have been, if not for some very stubborn guys. Today I want to remind the world who some of those very special guys were. Because without each one doing his very special bit, that Battle of Yorktown could never have happened. The foremost of these guys is probably Francis Marion, the Swamp Fox, who, who went on fighting as a guerrilla even though he didn't even know if we still had an army or not. He just missed being captured in the Lincoln Army because he was home on furlough nursing an injury. As soon as he got better, he rounded up all the guys he could put under a horse and shoot a gun, usually just 20 or 30. But he attacked the British outposts all up and down the frontier whenever he could find them. He drove Cornwallis nuts. He chased Marion all over and then set the infamous Major Tarleton Bannister after him. But even old Bloody Ban couldn't catch Francis Marion. Well, General Cornwallis couldn't say the war was over while the other side was still shooting at him. He tried a tactic then that was just disastrous for the Americans. To punish the locals who had supported Francis Marion, he burned everything to the ground in a path 70 miles long by 10 miles wide. Just total devastation. I guess he forgot he was in America because this had the opposite effect that he had hoped for. A lot of Americans in the Carolinas were just getting tired of the war and wanted it to quit until that rampage of Cornwallis. Then they just got mad and they flocked to Francis Marion and, and just dogged Cornwallis into oblivion. They were just like an angry dog biting at his heels. They couldn't hurt him very bad, but they just wore him out. He figured he and his army needed a rest. He decided to go to the port of Yorktown and take a much-needed rest. He sent word to his boss, General Clinton, to have ships bring reinforcements to him there. Our next major player in this little drama is Daniel Morgan. But he did his part way back in 1777 during the Battle of Saratoga. Now that battle changed the course of the war for us, and the fact that we won was the deciding factor that brought the French into the war on our side. Daniel Morgan was one of the most important reasons why we won that battle. You see, Daniel Morgan was a real rascal all of his life, and, and way back in the 1750s, during the French and Indian War, his rascality got the best of him. He was a private citizen who was doing some teamstering for the British Army, using his own team and wagon. Well, he decided to deck a British officer that had been badgering him. <laughs> well, slugging a British officer was frowned upon, regardless of whether he had it coming, so the presiding general decided to make a special example out of this case, just so others would not be tempted to deck any other officers. It was ordered that Daniel Morgan be given 499 lashes, a flogging, 
which was usually a death sentence. But Daniel Morgan lived through it. The general who gave that order was General Burgoyne. Yep, Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne. The very same man who was the general the Americans were facing at the Battle of Saratoga. Now, how do you suppose the rascally side of Daniel Morgan reacted when he found that out? Well, as luck would have it, Daniel and his brigade of sharpshooters were put on the pointy end of the spear when they fought the British there, and Morgan instructed his men to first shoot the scouts and then the officers, and they did just that. Now, the British, they thought it was awfully unfair of us to use those awful American long rifles like that, but... But Daniel was beyond caring. The British were fresh out of officers to lead their men, so we won that battle, changed the course of the war, and brought the French in on our side. Thank you, Daniel Morgan. The next player in this drama is Lafayette. Now, he was a black man who took his name from the real General Lafayette. He had offered to go into the British garrison and be a spy for our side. The British general liked him so well that he asked Lafayette to be a spy for them. And, of course, he agreed, and thereby became a double spy for us. When he discovered where Cornwallis was going to bivouac his troops, he immediately got word to the real General Lafayette, who saw the military advantage that could give us and sent word right quick to General Washington up in Rhode Island. He was licking his wounds from trying and failing to take New York from General Clinton. Our next major player is Lafayette. I wish I could take time here to tell you his story again, but since I've done so on another radio program, I won't hear. Just know that he was the one who recognized the opportunity of catching Cornwallis in Yorktown. He is the one who saw the advantage of having the French fleet join with us in cornering Cornwallis. He is the one who went to France several times and was very instrumental in helping Benjamin Franklin persuade them to enter the war. He is the one who forced Cornwallis to stay in Yorktown until General Washington could get there. Well, General Washington immediately saw the opportunity as well, but he had a problem. First, he was over 500 miles away from Yorktown. Second, he was flat broke and totally out of provisions. He didn't have enough powder, not enough lead for bullets, no boots, no uniforms, and especially no food. And our Congress was worthless as far as raising money to fight the war. So our next major player is Robert Morris. Poor guy. At the start of the war, he was one of the richest men in the colonies. I'm sure that when he signed the Declaration of Independence, declaring that he was offering his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor, He'd hoped it wouldn't come to that, but it did. It seemed that every time George Washington was down and out and the Congress could not help, he called on Robert Morris. At first, he just wrote out a check, and soon his own money supply got pretty thin. When Washington wanted to attack Trenton, New Jersey, he simply could not do it. His men simply had nothing left to fight with. He called Robert Morris. Morris wrote out a check for $10,000, which bought enough powder and ball and boots so they could go. They beat those Hessians at Trenton and gave our side a badly needed victory. Robert Morris gave his fortune to help us win the war and spent his last years in debtor's prison. They let him out just before he died. Now Washington was destitute again, but knew he had to get to Yorktown. 
He called Robert Morris, and of course he came. But by this time Robert Morris was broke, too. All of his money had already been given. Washington told him of the opportunity and of his terrible condition. Robert Morris went to work. He contacted all of his trusted friends and asked them to loan their money to the war effort. To a man they said no. <laughs> they knew they were going to lose. So Robert Moore said this, Well, then will you loan it to me? Oh, well, that's different. Yes, yes, we will loan it to you. They did, and he gave it all to Washington, plus about 500 pounds of the lead ballast that was in one of his ships, so he could make bullets. It was enough. George Washington now had money for food and boots and powder and ball, and, and they began the secret forced march to Yorktown and to our destiny. Hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.